0: Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Good morning. It's good to see everybody here. And uh, it's just a blessing to the beautiful Sabbath day that we have. And I am appreciate the assembly letting me share with you today. Hopefully, what I have will stir some things up in you. So what I want to talk about, though, is it's a little different twist, maybe, than what you're expecting. I don't know. I'm not sure what you're expecting. But uh, it's a little different twist. I just want to talk about the most wonderful time of the year. That's the time we're in, isn't it? That's what they all say, anyhow. The most wonderful time of the year. Now, just think about it. Here we are eating turkey, Thanksgiving dinner, you know. We just got through. The next day is what? What they call Black Friday. Yes, sir. And we just go out into the madness of Black Friday looking for a bargain, don't we? We're looking for a deal. And a lot of people will, just, will spend this stuff, you know, the time and the energy to go find these items probably they don't really need, but just to get a good deal for themselves. But many, many people are buying deals to give to somebody else, somebody they love, somebody they appreciate, somebody they they want to communicate their their closeness to. Now, when we go out on this Black Friday, from here on out for a whole other month, you're going to be hearing Christmas music playing, aren't you? You're going to see lights shining everywhere. Everybody seems to be a little bit nicer than normal this is a magical spirit of festivity we see people dressed up in these bizarre looking clothes that you don't normally see uh through the rest of the year you have lights on their hats and these beautiful red and, and uh, green sweaters and things such as that you know you don't see them you know after after christmas is over they cannot get rid of those There will be those who volunteer to serve at the local soup kitchen, to help out in the Salvation Army, trying to gather some money, get some, you know, for, for the needy. You'll see all this going on. Through this whole month, it will be filled with parties, meals with friends, people at our office, people at our churches, and with our families, all this good time. Besides all this, we are celebrating the birth of our Savior of the world, aren't we? The one born in a manger, who the wise men, they brought gifts to. This is truly the reason for the season. Have you ever heard of that? Doesn't it sound exciting? Some of you are already on the edge, aren't you? You go, golly, I got to be part of this, okay? If, everybody, if every day of the year could be just like this month, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't the world just be a lot better place? Who in their right mind wouldn't want to join into this magical time of the year? Besides all the fun and all the jolly songs you hear this time of year, I want to just read some lyrics of the songs that, that sing of the reason for the season. The first Noel this song talks about the shepherds on a cold winter's night and wise men seeing a star that they followed to Bethlehem to see the newborn king. The last verse goes like this. Then let us all with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord that hath made heaven and earth of naught. And with this blood mankind has bought Noel, Noel, king of Israel. That sounds halfway good. Hark the herald angels, it says, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled, joyful all you nations rise, join the triumph in the skies, with angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. The song goes on to talk about the heavenly praise to the newborn King who comes with healing in his wings to bring light and to save the world. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It's the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary soul rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angels' voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, night when Christ was born. Oh, night divine. Oh, night divine. Now, this is just just three of many songs that you will hear throughout this whole month. This whole month leading up to Christmas and possibly New Year's. It's just like a little overflow there. And a lot of the stuff we're reading, I just read in these lyrics, it's true. You know that? That's actually true. The prophets did speak long ago of a long-awaited king of Israel, didn't they? Who was born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem. They spoke of that. That's true. There was a star that shone in the heavens to lead the wise men to Yeshua to bring him gifts and to worship him. That's also true. There was a heavenly host praising Yahweh, saying, Glory to El in the highest. And on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. That is true, isn't it? This child would become to be the sacrifice for sin of mankind. And in doing so, would eventually bring peace to the world. So all these things and all these songs that we read are true statements, isn't it? There are a lot of facts associated with Christmas. And some will say, well, let's not worry about this all this other stuff that's been added, God knows my heart. And he knows the reason why I'm doing all these things. He knows that. Now, the question is, yeah, God or Yahweh knows your heart, doesn't he? But do you know your heart? A lot of times we think we know ourselves when we really don't know ourselves. Jeremiah 17, it says, The heart is deceitful above all else." It's desperately sick. Who can understand it? In other words, we can't rely on our heart to get to the truth. You can't rely on your heart to get to the facts. The truth will stand on its own. It don't matter if we believe it or not. The truth is the truth. It will stand. Now we live in a day and age where where men can become women and women can become men and men can have babies and all kinds of stuff. It's very obscure, isn't it? It doesn't change the truth, does it? But this is the age we live in. This is the age we live in. So it's, everything is relative. Everything can be changed. There's nothing that's solid. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 says, Trust in Yahweh with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear Yahweh and turn from evil. So this kind of gives us a little, you know, a little barometer there of, of where, where our heart really lies. We're prone to wonder. You know that? We're prone to wonder. You can read the history of Israel. They're prone to wonder. What I don't understand, though, <clears throat> is if Jesus is the reason for the season, how did songs like... After all these songs we just read, these lyrics, how do songs like Rock Around the Christmas Tree or A Holly Jolly Christmas or Dreaming of a White Christmas have anything to do with the birth of the Savior that people claim to be adoring? You know, many times these people who sing these songs, they're tenderly singing these songs about, you know, the birth of the newborn king, and it's just so touching. These are the same ones who sing songs about adultery, fornication, drunkenness, drug abuse. The same ones. They're singing the same stories, the same songs. But during this time, they'll cut their own album, Christmas album by whoever. Isn't it weird? James 3.11 says, can a spring have both salt water and fresh water flowing from it? So when you, go to your, when you go to the tap at your house and you turn the water on, you expect clean water, don't you? You don't really expect sewer water, do you? You expect clean water. Can a, can a stream have both running out of it? It can't. So it's, it's, it's bizarre to me, maybe it's just me, but it's bizarre to me why you have these, these artists who who will sing these songs, and, 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 and then on the other hand, they'll sing these other songs about all the things that we're not supposed to be partaking of. What does mistletoe, Santa Claus, reindeer, and Christmas trees have to do with the Savior of the world being born? You ever wonder that? Some people never wonder that. You know, the most pervasive, persuasive lie is the lie that is sprinkled with truth. The most persuasive lie is a lie that is sprinkled with truth. Our media is full of it. They have a little truth about whatever, but the majority of it, the whole of it, is just a lie. But that truth, you, everybody, it's, it's common knowledge of the truth, the truth portion. So everybody picks up on it. Whoa, this has got to be, I got to listen to this because there's some truth here. And when you look at the whole thing, it's mostly lies. When the whole world is doing something, listen to me, if the whole world is doing something and it has a lot of good elements and intentions, it's easy to see how a person can get caught up in wanting to be part of that, part of that movement, isn't it? You know, if you really want to do something, this is all of us in every facet of our lives, if we really want to do something, we're going to rationalize everything to make it fit our desires. Even if it distorts the truth, even if we lie to ourselves, we're going to make it fit. We're going to we're going to tell ourselves this is okay. I'm going to go down this route. This is okay. I'm going to compromise here because I know on the other end, it's going to be all right. It's easy to follow the crowd, isn't it? Is it easy to follow the crowd? I would I would say so. Uh, as one who's followed the crowd before, I would say it's easy. Matthew 7.13 says, Broad is the way that leads to destruction. This season is, has so much influence that it is celebrated all over the world. Now, now think about it. Now, a lot of times it's, it's without a Christian theme. But this month, in this, this, these winter months, are celebrated in India, Russia, North Korea, Africa, everywhere you go, there's some celebration going on. And it may not have a Christian theme like we're here in the West, but there's some celebration. That is bizarre to me. Why is that? That's such a a stronghold. Where the prophets of old, let me ask you this, just once to follow the crowd, Doing what the other nations and the people, the Gentiles, were doing around them, you know the prophets. Remember the prophets, right? The ones that were sawn asunder. It says, who were stoned, who were crucified, who terrible things, who run to the head to flee to the mountains, who had to get away. Whereas they ones to say, ah, this ain't so bad, you know. I don't think so. The disciples. I wonder. The earlier followers of Yahshua, did they just conform to all the paganism? They lived in a time that was very pagan. Did they they conform to all that around them so they could better fit in? They have an inroad? You know what? If we just do a little bit of this paganism, this will be our inroad to be able to minister and tell them the truth of the gospel. That's a good inroad, isn't it? I don't think so. It's not a very good inroad. Did Yahshua just sign off on incorporating other practices into the pure worship that is outlined in the Bible? Did he say, you know, these people worshiping me, you know, they're glad I'm here. I am the the king, of course. If they want to incorporate some of this, it's all right. I get it, you know. I I know their heart. Reckon Yahshua said that? Why do we say we trust Yahweh? Why do we trust Yahweh? I think you can find this in Malachi 3, 6, where it says, For I am Yahweh, and I do not change. That's why we can trust. Can you trust people who are always changing? One day they're one way. One day they're another way. One, you know, they're high and low. they got a split personality. Who knows what? Can you trust that person? Eh. You might, can get along with them, but you may not trust them very well. Okay. That's why we trust Yahweh. And like father, like son, we read in Hebrews 13.8, it says that Yahshua is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Huh. He doesn't change either, does he? Why doesn't he change? Because he's just like Yahweh. He has the same intentions, the same goal. We also read in James 1.17, it says that with the father of lights there's no variation or shifting shadow the father of lights there's no variation what you see is what you get you get up here and you'll see a, there's a shadow right here behind me there's a faint shadow right here there's shifting shadows everywhere I move the shadow goes with me but with Yahweh that's not the case you know what he's thinking you know you know his heart we trust Yahweh because he is just and true. We don't have to worry about him changing the policy, making up some new rules. I play with, uh, you know, you play board games or card games with, like my grandson sometimes. And he'll change the rules. I don't know what it is, but he will change the rules. If he feels threatened, of course, there's a lot of smack talking going on, you know. But he will change the rules, or try to anyhow. Um, we also know, when we should know, that all of his instructions, listen to this, you young people especially, all of his instructions, laws if you want to say, I like the word instructions better, but we can use the word law either way, it's not meant to keep us from having a good time, it's not meant to keep us from enjoying life, you know that? He's not trying to stomp us down, hold us down. Oh, I don't want you to have a good time. You're going to have to do this or not do this. I don't want you to not enjoy life. That is not the reason at all. Why do we have all these rules and all this instruction? It's given to us for our physical, our emotional, and our spiritual well-being. Think about it. What you read here is for your spiritual your physical and emotional well-being. So you'd be at the top of your game in all of those areas. That's what it's there for. And if you follow this prescription, you'll be at the top of your game. That's why we trust in the Heavenly Father. Now, I could easily show you about all these celebrations, about Christmas, and the practices they come from, with how they originate from pagan practices. I could show you all of those things. And Jose you know, he's spoken on a lot of these things the other day. A couple weeks ago. <clears throat> now, now, all of these facts are well documented, have been documented for years. They're not hard to find. Even, even easier now than, than before you had the internet. You can find all these facts about mistletoe, reindeer, Santa Claus. You can find all that. I'm not going to speak about all those things. They're easily and undeniably there okay pat robertson said it best though in his little interview which uh, i had seen before it just cracks me up he says you know it's like yeah all these practices you know he's just going on they're just straight out of paganism they are pagan all the way every one of them and we just love it you know isn't that just bizarre we just love it what is paganism anyhow I've got a couple definitions here. The definition of pagan, though they are numerous and varied in their practices and beliefs, pagans do, do hold some similar beliefs. For example, the physical world is a good place, one to be taken pleasure in by everyone. When I first read this, I thought of, kind of weird, but I thought of Aleister Crowley. Anybody know who Aleister Crowley is? Aleister Crowley was a, a cultist, a Satanist. Died in, like, 1947. <clears throat> uh, Mr. Crowley, an Ozzy Osbourne song. If you remember Mr. Crowley. Uh, Jimmy Page ended up buying his, from Led Zeppelin, ended up buying his house. And it was said to have these weird, bizarre things that happened in his house. The Beatles, he was highly esteemed by the Beatles. So... Alistair Crowley. this is what I thought when I thought paganism. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. That was the motto. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. That sounds quite, quite contrary to what the Bible teaches, isn't it? But it does line up with paganism. One to be taken pleasure in by everyone. Paganism. Every, everyone is considered to be part of Mother Earth. Notice a theme here. <clears throat> Divinity reveals itself in every facet of the world. Every being, man and animal, is a derivative of the divine. I am kind of go with that. I mean, Yahweh created everything. We're a derivative of the divine, right? Oh, and it goes on to say, as such, all are gods and goddesses. Oops. I'm short there. Most pagan religions do not have gurus or messiahs. Doctrine is superseded by one's own person, uh, per, uh, own responsibility. Here's another one. Solar and lunar cycles are significant in pagan worship. There's another little article I come across that says the absolute basics. It says paganism is quickly growing spiritual movement consisting of various groups practicing nature-based polytheistic religions loosely based on the religions of the ancient world. Polytheistic means many religions. Our beliefs are incredibly varied, coming from various traditions, a reverence for nature and the physical world, and a belief in a non-authoritarian religion. Some different names you might hear us use to describe ourselves is Wiccan, witch, heathen, astru, druid, fairy tradition, solitary practitioner, electic, and many others. Pagans view the world as a place of joy and life, not of sin and suffering. We believe that the divine is here with us and in the natural world, not in some faraway place in the sky. You know, some seem like they're just kind of countering Christianity in a sense. But, yeah, the life, we believe that here on this life we can have joy, don't we? Absolutely. We, I believe that the divine is here with us also. I believe that the that, that Heavenly Father speaks to us here on this earth. So I can, I can kind of go along with that to, to a degree. There's that sprinkle of truth right there, okay? There's that sprinkle of truth. We hold a deep reverence for nature and the earth. Pagans tend to be earth conscious. Hmm. Go figure. <laughs> Some pagans believe in multiplicity of gods and goddesses. Others see them as merely names and forms that allow us easier contact with the divine. In most cases, pagans see the divine as a present in both male and female principles. Pagans do not recruit members. We feel that every person reserves, reveres the divine in their own way and that no one religion is better than the other. I asked Tony Sukla one time, uh, you know, he's a missionary there in, in India. And I asked him, I said, man, do you, do you get, like, a lot of flack from the, the locals there, the, the, the Buddhists? You know, do you get, do they, like, is there persecution going on? He said, no, not really. He says, in the Buddhist way, the more gods, the merrier. You know, they're, they're not strictly, like, one god. If, you, if there's another god that they didn't know about, it all oh, right, that's great. Then we can just add that to the rest of our gods. You know, that's just how they think. So that's a little bit more to overcome there, I'm sure, than, than, you know, no, no gods at all. But I could show you, like I say, about the decorated tree, the mistletoe, Santa Claus, the winter solstice. And if you were honest, and I believe you're honest, you'd have to agree. You'd have to agree with all of that. The undisputable facts... But for many, the facts are not enough to cut ties with celebrating Christmas. The facts—I don't matter if you if you lay the facts out—is still not enough. And the only way thing I can figure out is they've created a God in the image they want him to be. They've created an Elohim. They've created something to worship. To conform to what they, their needs, and their want, not really their needs, but to conform to their wants. They've created a God in the image they want him to be, what they want him to look like. And this happens quite a bit in all circles. And in doing so, we're following the first of the Ten Commandments. Well, maybe Yahweh does change. We just don't know it. Now, I'm being sarcastic if you haven't picked up on that. But maybe Yahweh does change. I don't think so. You will hear excuses, and I've heard these myself. God knows my heart, or Yahweh knows my heart. My God is bigger than that. You know what I'm saying? We, we're, maybe we're being petty. They think we're being petty. My God's bigger than that. He knows, he knows all this. I'm putting Jesus back into Christmas. We hear all of this stuff. You know long before the the phones, the iPhones, the smartphones we used to have uh you know everybody carried a wallet, right and used to you could get these I'm, I'm, I guess you still can, but you get these uh these little inserts that go in your wallet, and you would have it would be like a bunch of pictures you can put pictures in there on, on both sides and pictures of your family and uh, your dog, your car, things that were special to you. and You'd have a wallet about three inches thick, you know, and everybody had back trouble at the time. And there's just all kinds of weird stuff going on. But, but you know, you'd have this real thick wallet, and you see, you know, here's my family right here, all this stuff. Now we got iPhones, we don't have to mess with all that. But so, you're looking through my wallet, I'm showing you my family, my favorite car, whatever it is. You come across this picture, Who's that? Ah, uh, that's, that's my old girlfriend. <laughs> I said, wow, that's kind of weird. What's your wife think? Well, she knows I'm committed. I'm committed to her. She knows my heart. I'm committed to her. But she don't mind if I carry this old, old photograph around. It's just my old girlfriend, you know. It's like, like we're not having an affair or nothing, okay? This is my old girlfriend. But it's just a special time in my life. I just, I just it was a neat time, and I enjoyed it, and, you know, she don't really care. What do you think? Would that that sell? I don't think so. I don't think it's going to sell. Not at all. If we really know Yahweh or God as we tell ourselves that we do, there's a few things we know. That he's a jealous God and will not share his worship of him with anything or anyone else. He says he's not going to share his worship. That's in Isaiah 42.8. Jeremiah 10, 2 says, to not learn the way of the nations. That the customs of these people are a delusion. Think about it. Think about all the things that are attached to Christmas. It's delusional. This just all these, all these, all these things. You know, in, when this scripture was written in Jeremiah, it says, Do not learn the way of the nations. You know when it was written? While they were under siege from learning the way of the nations. <laughs> You're a little late there, Jeremiah. Okay. Uh, 2 Corinthians, we want to turn here. 2 Corinthians uh, 6. 2 Corinthians 6, let's start with uh, verse 14. It says do not be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness or what harmony has messiah with belial or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever now think about that we rub shoulders every day of the week with unbelievers We're supposed to be in this world, but not of this world. We cannot escape this world. We're not supposed to be an island to ourselves. But we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. So what harmony has Messiah with Belial? Or a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of Yahweh with idols? For we are the temple of the living Elohim, just as Yahweh said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst. This is what I'm trying to communicate here. Not so much to us, because we understand these things. But if you're if you're you have a friend that or or a coworker or something like that, it's you're 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 trying to explain some of these things, it's easy to explain all this other stuff. Where the tree and all Santa Claus, that's easy. But trying to get people to to commit, that's a whole other thing. It says, come out from among their midst and be separate, says Yahweh. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me, says Yahweh Almighty. You know, if we really know Yahweh like we say we do, we would know that, there's not a fat man riding in this sleigh of reindeer all over the world delivering gifts. We would know that he's not the one who knows if we've been naughty or nice. You know, we're attributing the the, the mind of Messiah to Santa Claus. Santa knows if you've been naughty or nice. He knows if you're gonna get gifts or not. He knows all that. Isn't that Yahweh's position? He's not going to share his glory with anybody else. He will not share it with another. We will also know, if we know him like we say we do, that we're not to add to or take from his word. We're not supposed to put an addendum in there. If you ever do you need any construction jobs, <clears throat> you have to keep up on Addendums. You bid this job, and next thing you know, you get all the documents you need and all that stuff, and then they send out these addendums. Well, we're going to change this section to read a different way, or we're going to change this part of the plan to look a different way. You have all these additions, and it supersedes what was originally there. Well, we, we, don't, we don't do that. We're not supposed to add or take from. Now, some people, they're going to label you a heretic if you don't observe Christmas or Easter, and they're really offended. They get very, very offended that you would even, you know, take up this issue. That you deny the importance of these celebrations. Or they'll say, you know, you just, you just do what you want to do. I'll do what I want to do, but just don't press the issue. Let's, not, let's just not go down this path. You know, when all the facts are laid out, and we're backed into the corner, on not just this, not just this topic, but anything. When the facts are laid out, and you're backed into a corner. Now, I will say, there are some things we have opinions on, even scripturally. There are some things that I may lean one way, you may lean another way on. Okay? So there are opinions, but... What I'm talking about is indisputable facts here. When everything is laid out and the only thing left is our honesty and our integrity, we have a choice, don't we? We can accept the truth and make the hard choices in our life. Or we can reject the truth and we can get angry at those who bring such a thing up. You ever get angry at somebody who Brought something up to you said, hey, man, this is not quite right. Getting angry is not, not a bad thing, especially if it provokes you to think. If it provokes you to think, man, I have to back off this little bit. He was right. They were right. <clears throat> People get very upset <clears throat> when you're questioning their integrity with this topic or any other topic. Anything that they really want to hold on to, they get very upset. So what is it? that keeps smart, good, upstanding people. These are good, upstanding people many times. Holding on to these things. What is it? It's the same thing that you and I experience on other items, other things. It's an emotional connection. It's an emotional connection. That's all it is. Now, who who doesn't want to see kids' eyes light up? when they're opening their gifts under the tree. Do you all like to see your kids have a good time? Of course you do. You like to have family get-togethers or or church get-togethers, everybody enjoying each other, having a good time? Of course we do. Our primal desire is to have good fellowship with our family and our fellow men, to long for joy and happiness for ourselves, our family, and the world. We long for world peace, don't we? We do know that that's not going to happen until the Prince of Peace comes back, but we inherently long for world peace. Who doesn't like to see their children all dressed up for Christmas dinner or Easter Sunday and having all that fun? They're having a good time. puts a smile on your face. We tell ourselves this is just good, clean fun, and nobody is getting hurt. Our hearts are in the right place, and we're making good memories that will last for a lifetime. That's what we tell ourselves. And we and not only this. I mean, it, this could. I'm, I'm talking about primarily Christmas, Easter, if you will, but it, it goes far beyond that. It goes beyond every every. Maybe it's maybe it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Josh gave a good message last week about that. And he, this is, a, this is an addendum right here. <laughs> Has nothing to do with this. But I just want to say that, you know, with, with my kids, I would tell them, I want you to get 10 things, write them down. You, this is what you want in a spouse, 10 things, boom, 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 boom. And then out of that 10, I want you to get three things. It's a no-go. It's a no-go. Write those three things down. Physically write them down. And if you meet this cute guy or this cute girl, if he doesn't match up to those three things, it's a no-go. Why get your heart all emotionally involved, emotionally connected to somebody where it's a no-go? but we don't do that because we're going to, it's not cool, it's not cool to not have a boyfriend or girlfriend. You know that in our culture, it's not cool. Women think they're going to be an old maid. They're going to grow up and they're going to be, they're going to be 25 years old and not married. Golly, you know, and that's how the women think. I mean, so we can't change that, but I'm just saying, see, this is a little plug here. So just, Bouncing off what what, uh, Josh spoke of last week. But it's an emotional connection. We have this emotional connection saying, yeah, we have to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I mean, I can't go around. Look how good good looking I am. I can't go around not having a boyfriend or girlfriend. Makes no sense. This emotional connection and the desire to fit in and not be an oddball And the desire to enjoy the festivities and the world is caught up in is the reason why so many people cannot abandon these practices. And it's also the reason I know a lot of people who grew up just like me. We didn't observe Christmas, Easter, and all this stuff. But they have compromised their convictions. Maybe it was never a conviction. Maybe they were told to do it. It needs to be a conviction, but they have compromised nonetheless and started celebrating these holidays just like the rest of the world. People who grew up just like me, just like you, they've abandoned these things. Now, this this compromise of Yahweh's word has nothing to do with some newfound truth. You know, there's truth still to be found. truth still to be discovered. We haven't got it all. It's out there but we haven't discovered it all. This wasn't some newfound truth, newfound facts. The the facts and the practices of Christmas and Easter celebrations have been established for thousands of years. And so is Yahweh's word, not to abandon his word or to mix pagan practices with with his word. Yes, it's a magical time of the year, and the spirit of the deceiver is clothed with just enough facts to get many good-intended people to get caught up in these celebrations. There's just enough good things to keep them on the hook. You know, I've had friends, men primarily, not very many women friends, no, (laughs) but I've I've had friends tell me, people, these are good people, really good people, say, hey, I, I get it. Man, I, I read about all this. You're, you're absolutely right. I see the, the, where all this came from, these pagan practices and Easter and Christmas and, and all this stuff. It is, it's bizarre. I believe it. You're spot on. But I'm not going to quit celebrating. You ask why. Well, my wife, my kids, they won't, they won't, they won't have it. They won't tolerate it. I mean, they're, 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 this is something we enjoy. We get together as a family, and, and this is our special time. And so this is why we're going to continue on with this. Wow, that's weird. That's weird to me, especially from somebody who's, who's, who believes in the Bible, who's claiming to be following the Heavenly Father. If this emotional connection to observe in these holidays has so much influence on us and then we compromise on these things, what else are we willing to compromise on? This is just one thing. We know that there's no facts involved with observing Christmas or Easter in the way that we, that we understand it in, in Christianity. So what is it that we're, what else are we willing to compromise on? If we can compromise on this, what else would we really compromise on? Wouldn't it be a lot easier if we just didn't rock the boat? Wouldn't it be a lot easier? No doubt, it's easier to raise our children. This is where it really—I mean, I can get by with ridicule, whatever—but it's easier to raise our children and let them just follow the rest of the world, so they don't feel inferior. Especially if you go to public school. I've been to public school. And so, yeah, it's a little weird when you're not giving out gifts during the Christmas party at school. You're not receiving gifts. It's kind of weird. It kind of makes you feel strange, you know? It's not very fun. I understand all that. It makes you kind of feel inferior. Yes, I agree. It is, it is difficult. It is difficult for children. <laughs> But what is worse? You have to weigh these things, make the hard choices. But what is worse? Teaching them that it's all right to alter the tree, truth or to alter the facts so we can have a good self-esteem and not feel inferior, or to stand strong on truth and not compromise or water it down. What is, what, is, what is worse? When you weigh it in the scale, what is worse? Because if you compromise on this, You'll continue to compromise on other things as well every time because we're prone to wander. We're going to take the, the path of least resistance every time. In Jeremiah, <clears throat> we see what happened when, when they incorporated the practices of the nations around them with the worship of Yahweh. Now, notice they didn't abandon Yahweh, did they? No, they didn't abandon Yahweh. They said, we're not going to serve you anymore. They just incorporated all these other pagan practices in with the worship of Yahweh. Many died, and many were taken captive to Babylon. And Jeremiah tells them to be prepared to be there for a while. This is not going to blow over in a week or two. It was like 70 years. They're in captive, captivity in Babylon. He says, But while you're there, while you're there in Babylon, I want you to continue to marry. I want you to to have children. Build houses. Submit to your captors. But maintain your identity. Maintain your identity. How would you maintain your identity? In other words, don't get caught up in their pagan ways. Do not get caught up in their pagan ways. Remember, that's the reason you're there to begin with. Because you're caught up in their pagan ways. Do not be partaker of that. This is why you're there in the first place. The band can come up, they want. Some people have inflicted unnecessary hardship on themselves and others by taking a stance on things that really are not supported by the Bible. I remember a time when I was growing up that, and we do this uh, more so in our Circle of, of people that we worship with. Judaism's really bad about it, about putting hedges around things to protect those things from getting violated. Say the Sabbath, for one thing. They put all these protections so nobody can remotely, you know, break the Sabbath. So we put all these unnecessary burdens on us, okay? You, But like I say, I remember a time when I was younger That to protect the Sabbath I guess that mom and dad We wouldn't allow to go outside So there was a period of time that we couldn't go outside Of course, that didn't do me much good for the Sabbath Because I didn't like to see it coming around I couldn't go outside And so that was an unnecessary burden You know what I'm saying? And we tend to do that We tend to do that But I'm not talking about those things I'm not talking about, when I'm talking about this Christmas and, and Easter and all of these things, I'm talking about a heart issue. I'm talking about facts and I'm talking about truth. If we compromise on this, why not just start observing Sunday for our Sabbath? It would make life a lot easier, wouldn't it? If we just follow the schedule of the rest of the nations, if we just follow the schedule of the rest of the world, our life would be a lot simpler. Treat the seventh day of the week just like a normal work day, like everybody else does. There's a lot more opportunities. If we, if we, don't, if we don't observe the seventh-day Sabbath, it opens up more opportunities for us because a lot of things are going on on the Sabbath. Let's just compromise on that as well, because it makes our life a lot easier. And plus, I feel like an oddball. I tell these people I'm going to church on Saturday, I'm going to worship, and they look at me kind of funny. What in the world are you... What is going on with you? Why don't you just kind of conform and make your life a lot easier? If we continue down this path... <clears throat> If we see the truth of the matter and disregard it and make excuses not to embrace the truth, it will be easy for us to rationalize other areas. This is my point today. Not so much about Christmas per se or Easter per se. It's rationalizing. It's compromising other areas of our life. And it may not matter in every... There, there's compromise. We make compromises. We go out and eat. We're trying to figure out where to go. Sometimes we'll make a compromise, won't we? I'm not talking about these kind of compromises. I'm talking about compromising Yahweh's word. The truth that he has instructed us to follow. We need to examine our lives by Yahweh's word. This is, this is the benchmark right here. This is Yahweh's word. This is the benchmark. Y'all know y'all getting tired. Y'all getting sleepy. <clears throat> you know what a benchmark is? I mean, on mo- on most of you probably know what a benchmark is. So we're going to say, this is the benchmark. This is zero. Boom. We're going to build this building. OK? This is the benchmark. So we're going to build this stage at zero. We're going to build this floor three foot below zero. OK? That ceiling's going to be 25 foot above zero. The benchmark, not above the floor. Because we may have gotten off a little bit on the floor here. We may not be, it may not be three foot down like we think it is. So we're going to go back to the benchmark and measure it again. Okay? So you see, you never measure something else uh, besides the benchmark. You never measure off, well, wow, look at everybody else around me. They're doing pretty good. Look where they're at. No, you have to get back to the benchmark. Yahweh's word is our benchmark. That's how it works. If we're dealing in a basement, I'm not going to measure off this floor right here because we may have gotten off. I'm going to measure off the benchmark again. Or we're going to see what the roof peak is. I'm not going to go by by what we measure on the wall. I'm going to measure back on the benchmark. Everything comes back to this point, and that's how our lives are supposed to be. Examine our lives by Yahweh's standards. What we need to be doing in all aspects of our lives. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, we read, it says, stay away. Listen to this really close. Stay away. Reject, abstain every kind of evil. That's hard to do. In other words, don't let your life appear that you have incorporated something that is profane with that which is holy. Don't let it. Don't let it look like. Is that? Should you be doing that? It looks like maybe you're trying to celebrate Christmas a little bit. And some people would say, well, I, I don't. I don't want to. Uh, we don't have a tree. We don't give gifts. Uh, we we just have a nativity scene. It's all we have. We still do it. You know, during this this time of the year, you know, during December. So." It, If they were to tell me that, it looks like you're trying to incorporate this to me. But it says, give Yahweh the benefit of the doubt. And it's time to do that. To to trust his judgment on these matters. And remember, 2 Corinthians 6.17, it says, come out from among them. Don't worry about being an oddball. Don't worry about feeling inferior. It says, come out from among them and be separate, says Yahweh. And do not touch that which is unclean, and I will receive you. Yahweh bless.